Our New Testament reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John. I'll be reading from the first chapter, the 35th through the 42nd verse. Feel free to follow along on page 87 in the New Testament section of your pew Bible. Listen now for God's word to us this morning. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here's the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus and looked at him, who looked at him and said, You were Simon, son of John. You were to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as you can already tell, you are in for a treat today. Today is Youth Sunday. Everything you've heard in worship has either been written by or uh, chosen by our youth. The people you see up here, the people, some are in the pews this morning Everything you've heard, everything we will sing together has been particularly and specially crafted by our youth. And I have to tell you, I think right now in this moment in the world, that is a particularly prophetic thing that our kids are leading us in worship on this Sunday. You can watch the news, you can see what may or may not happen tomorrow down in Capitol Square, and you know with some certainty that you know, the world is, is in a really terrible place right now. I think we can say that with a lot of certainty. And to hear from our kids, to hear from these people who have lived lives that are so different than ours, who have experienced and grown up in a world so different than the world each one of us have grown up in, is particularly needed right now. We need to hear from our kids. It would be unfair for us to not hear from our 6th through 12th graders as we begin to wrestle and deal with this world and think about it through the lens of the Christian faith. What does it mean for us as people of faith to be active, to be grounded in this world, to be grounded in this city, but also to be people of faith? In the greater context of the world, what does it mean on January the 20th, 2020, for us to be people of faith? Now, I could wax poetic for hours and hours about that, and I'm sure Mary Kay and Amy can too, but I don't think that's what we need to hear today. I think we need to hear from our kids, because you're going to hear some things, and I I can say this with with certainty, you're going to hear some some things today that are going to challenge you. And they're going to affirm you. But moreover than any of that, they're going to help you leave this place ready to go out into the world to face whatever is to come. Because our kids are speaking truth and we have a responsibility to listen to it. 
This morning, you're going to hear from three of our students. You're going to hear from Winston Morris, who's a seventh grader at St. Christopher's. You're going to hear from Grace Carter, who is a senior at Freeman. You're going to hear from Charlie Collins, who's a ninth grader at Hermitage. Listen carefully. Listen with a critical ear and listen with a whole lot of compassion. And then, after worship, go and tell them how much you loved it, because I think you're going to love it. Listen in. So those of you who are at the early service already know that my speech is pretty much improvised because it can fit on a quarter of a sheet of paper. So when I'm stuttering and when, I've, when I'm making no sense, just know that. So on Thursday, the three of us that are doing the reflections all gathered to talk about what we were going to write it on. And a key thing that we discussed was justice and how some of us in this society aren't really just. And so recently for a project in school, I read the book Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, which is about a man who is wrongfully accused of murder and another man trying to get him free and prove that, you know, he did nothing. And, I mean, it wasn't the 80s, and to the kids here, the 80s is just a long time ago, and for the adults here, it's just the 80s. And so, um, it really brought me, like, it really made, gave me a better look at a bunch of stuff, and how sometimes we just accuse people of something, like, if something happens, we just go straight to accusing someone of doing it, with no with no uh, evidence, dang it, I forgot that word for a second. Um, so yeah, and I don't think we should do that. I mean, I know maybe like when you're a kid and stuff, it just seems normal to just like, you know, there's somebody you don't like and it's like, or somebody who's like got a bad reputation and everything. It's just like, he did it, but what if he didn't? So, I mean, don't accuse someone unless you have evidence and witnesses. And um, I, I just feel like, I mean, in today's society, I feel like we aren't as just as we need to be. And we need to give people, like, the justice they need. And Yeah. Good morning. Jesus had many names. In the passage we heard, John 1, 31 through 42, Jesus is referred to as Dove, Rabbi, Lamb, Messiah, and Chosen One. When you hear the name Jesus, an image comes to your mind. Just like when people hear your name, they create an image of you in their minds. And when people hear, and when you hear your name, an image of yourself comes to your mind. The image that others see is probably different from what you see of yourself. Jesus called Peter Simon by name and knew exactly who he was without introduction. Some people feel as though their names don't accurately encompass who they are. I've had multiple friends change their names for multiple different reasons. Jesus even decided that Simon wasn't the suitable name for him and changed it to Cephas, which translates to Peter. My name, being Grace, is a name that I'll always strive to look up to. 
When I was little, I used to count how many times grace was said during a service. Amazing Grace has always felt like a personal song for me. Um, and when I think of who Grace is, I think of all of the things about me, this church, my friends, my favorite color, my favorite subjects in school. I know who I am. I'm a senior in high school, which means that I have to explain to colleges who I am and try to figure out which parts of myself I want to show them. And it's so easy to place identity in activities and membership. When I'm getting to know someone, they will know about me that I run and that I sing, but when they really get to know me, they don't think of me based on what I do, but based off of who I am as a person and as a friend. I'll introduce myself explaining my activities, but when I think about grace, I think about the emotions that I have and the thoughts that I have and the things that I like and that I dislike. Jesus does too. He knew my name before I did. He doesn't need to be introduced to me. He hears my name and immediately knows exactly who I am. God has spoken all of our names and knows each of us wholly. He wants us to find identity in him. Otherwise, he wouldn't try so hard to be a part of our lives. He shows us that he knows who we are by showing up in our lives where we need it. He wants us to know his identity and have a relationship with him. He tells us in the Isaiah passage that we heard that I am the Lord and that is my name. Good morning. Before I begin, I would just like to thank Wilson for allowing me to speak today. When I was reading this text from Isaiah, one thought that came to my mind was, who is a servant of God? Now this question is a difficult one to answer since there is a lot of difference in opinions surrounding this topic. In fact, when I was talking about this, some of my classmates, we had completely different ideas. So I decided the best way to answer this question is to start by saying who isn't a servant of God. To me, if you spread hate instead of love, destruction instead of creation, fear instead of hope, then you aren't a servant of God. If you decide that your faith calls for hurting other humans on this great earth, then you aren't a servant of God. If you are a Christian on Sunday mornings and not throughout the week, then I hate to break it to you, but you are not a servant of God. If you reject people's ideas because they aren't yours, then you aren't a servant of God. Okay, I know that was a lot, so let me break it down. First, if you spread hate instead of love, destruction instead of creation, fear instead of hope. I included this because too often people use religion to destroy others instead of lifting them up like a servant of the Lord would. Next, if you decide that your faith calls for hurting other humans, on this great earth. This to me is terrible, that people would use religion as a reason to kill other humans, which is not something a servant of the Lord would do. Big shocker, right? And then, then if you are a Christian on Sunday mornings and not throughout the week, by this I mean that to be a servant of the Lord, you have to continue being one throughout your life, not just when you're in church. Last, if you reject people's ideas because they aren't yours. To be a servant of the Lord, you need to respect people who have different ideas than yours. This last idea, that to be a servant of the Lord, you need to respect people, is personal for me. Some people might not know this, but before I went through confirmation, I doubted my faith. I had told that to people, and they didn't get it, and they treated me as an inferior because of it. This only pushed me farther away. 
So because of this, I went into confirmation thinking I was going to hate it. But it was actually one of the best things I've ever experienced with my faith. For the first time ever, I wasn't told what to believe. I came up with it on my own. Throughout my eighth grade year, our youth leaders, Wilson and Elise, my confirmation mentor, Kathy Hogue, and the youth of our church helped me find myself in the church. They never judged me, and through discussions, I found myself. These people are servants of the Lord. They weren't servants of the Lord because they could recite a million scriptures or because they prayed every day, but because they took time to have a conversation. That is what I think a servant of the Lord is, someone who no matter what will love you, someone who doesn't judge but is accepting and willing to understand you more. So it is not hard to be a servant of the Lord. It just takes a mustard seed of faith, and God will do the rest.